It is good to be over here, and uh, thank you for all those kind words. I always feel like I, not deserving of such words, but thank you. I do appreciate you saying all that, and um, love this church. Um, I know I always say, but I'm not always over here on, on Wednesday nights. I'm usually over on the other side, but I enjoy that. I enjoy being with the youth. I especially enjoy being over there on nights like tonight when I can't smell all the paint fumes, but just so happens. So you mentioned the story about the sheriff's office. I wish you wouldn't have because my mind was already there and I was already afraid of that happening. So this could either go great or really poorly. We'll see. We'll see how it all works out. But I do thank pastors such a show here. I give them honor. I'm thankful for, for their wisdom, for, for their voice in our lives. And um, pastors right. He mentioned God has opened many doors uh, for me and Bree as well. And um, you know, I attribute that to the Lord, and I attribute that to sound wisdom and guidance that we've been given um, for many years from Pastor and Sister Shoshan, so I'm, I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for their voice. Um, also, I do recognize my time, and I, I recognize the most dangerous place to be is between a group of people and cake, and that right now is me. So I do recognize that, and I will try to be time, or, uh, mindful of the time. We're talking about, we're continuing with our series, and, um, and we're at the point in our study, in our curriculum, a very familiar story. We're going to read through Joshua chapter 3 today, and we'll read through that whole chapter, and we have, I have some more verses that we'll share throughout, but a powerful story. Just to, you know, recall your memory, this is the story of Joshua leading the Israelites through the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. Uh, if you remember... Joshua, the book of Joshua begins with the story of the 12 tribes, or the, excuse me, the 12 spies. And of course, we know the 10 of those spies came back and they reported uh, that, you know, everybody was large and there's no way we could overtake that city. And, and they were afraid and they were fearful. And, and we know uh, Joshua and Caleb were the two young ones who uh, believed in God and they had faith in God and said, we, could, we can take them and we, can, we could take this land because God promised it. But because the 10 other spies did not have that faith and they, they did not trust God and they had that fear, they, they ended up wandering. They ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And um, I didn't take the time to pull up the map, but if you look at that map of where the Israelites traveled during that time, they, they kind of go all over um, Egypt and all over in the, in, not Egypt, but all over in the desert there. And you know, they end up spending 40 years, an entire generation had to pass for the next generation to come and take that promise. And that's where we are now. We're at this point in Joshua 3 where the, the next generation is now ready to obtain the promise. What I find, and I'll just mention this at the beginning, what I find so interesting and powerful is that God doesn't take the promise away. God does not take the promise away. God's promises are always true. One way or another, he's going to make a way. And we're going to see here in this story how impossible it might seem at times. And, and through our own logic, and through our own intellect, and through our own abilities, it seems like there's no way, no how that those promises can come true. But God never fails. God will always provide a way. God will always, and, and that's what he did here. Even though this first generation, they weren't deserving, and they, they were not uh, receiving, they were not faithful, he said, you know what, fine, but I'm going to keep that promise. I'm just going to give it to somebody else. I want to receive his promises. Amen? Amen. I want to have that faith. I want to have that faith to trust God 
even when it doesn't look possible, even when it looks like there's no way, no how that it can happen, I'm going to trust that God's going to make a way. And so we'll start in John, or excuse me, Joshua chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. So again, they're getting ready to obtain their promise. Finally, after 40 years, you know, this generation, you know, children were raised. Um, probably they have stories. They remember what God did for them. Or, or, you know, they've heard their parents talking about the stories of what God did for them in Egypt. But now it's time. It's their promise. They're able to now go and receive the blessing that God has for them. And they go. They just blindly go without knowing how. I find that really remarkable, and, and God often does this. God often will just say, go and receive the promise. Go and do this. And in and, and this case, they, they did that. The previous generation, they didn't. They were fearful. They asked all kinds of questions. Like, oh, I don't know. So that's why they ended up passing on that generation. But this generation, they said, you know what? We're going to go. I don't know how he's going to do it, but we're just going to have faith, and we're just going to go. And I'm like, I understand. I would, I'm a planner. I don't know about any of you, but I would like to know, here's where I am. Here's where I'm going. Here's step one through four of how to get there. I wish God would deliver promises like that. Wouldn't that be nice if you said, okay, in 20 years, here's where you're going to be, and here's all the steps you have to go through, and here's all. But he doesn't do that. He just says, nope, this is the promise. This is what it's going to be. And then you just have to believe. We just have to have faith, and we just have to say, God, all right, I trust you, and I'm going to obey, and I'm going to do what you want. And so they did. They go, and they get uh, to the edge, the right before the promised land, but there's one giant problem. There's a river, right? There's a big, giant river, the Jordan River, that they have to pass through. Now, again, this is a whole new generation. Of course, God has already split the Red Sea before, but this is a whole new generation, some of them might remember that. 40 years ago is a long time. They might have memories of that. A lot of them were probably not even alive at, the, at that time, but they've heard stories, and they've heard their parents talk about what had happened. So, of course, they know anything is possible, but here they have this obstacle in front of them. They have to cross the Jordan. Verse 2 says, And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God... And the, priests, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the representation of God, when you see God moving, go after it. Let me say that again. When you see the Ark of the Covenant moving, that's when you go. You go after it. If we could just get that mindset, if we could just get that simple mindset that wherever God leads, that's where I'm going. When he says go, I, I go. When he says stay, I'll stay. Whatever the Lord tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what Joshua and the officer, officers, they started going around. They said, watch the spirit of the Lord. Watch the Ark of the Covenant. When the Ark goes, that's when you get after it. That's when you go. Verse 4 says, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's about a mile. They had to stay away. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which ye must go. You see, if they were all crowding around the Ark of the Covenant, remember, it's a whole host of people. 
they're all around the Ark of the Covenant, then they wouldn't be able to see it. So God gives them that very practical advice. says, you know, stay about a mile away so that you can see where the Ark is going. And verse 5 says, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So they're preparing for something miraculous. They still don't know what's going to happen. They still don't know what God's going to do. He hasn't laid that out. But he says, God's going to do something wonderful. Prepare yourselves for it. Sanctify yourselves. I looked up that word sanctify. Of course, it's a, it's a popular word um, in the Bible. Sanctify means to consecrate yourself, to sanctify, to prepare, to dedicate, be hallowed, be holy, to be separate. When you sanctify something, you're setting it aside for God. And that's the whole, that, that's our um, mission, right? As Christians, as new believers. And it's not one process. Of course, we know repent, be baptized. We know the initial steps of sanctification, but it's a continual process uh, of getting yourself ready and sanctifying yourself, cleansing yourself. Uh, I think of this as whenever you're going to do something that, that's important, you know, something simple like preparing a dinner or getting ready for a meal, you wash your hands, right? You want to get all that dirt, you want to get all that away. Or if you're going to go to like a nice, a nice dinner, you're going to go to a nice restaurant. You're not going to just, all right, I'm going to roll out of bed and go in my sweatpants like I did in college. You're not going to do that. You're going to get yourself dressed. You're going to get yourself cleaned, cleaned up. You're going to get yourself presentable. You're going to sanctify yourself. You're going to prepare yourself. And that's what they were doing here. And that's what God has asked us to do when we were preparing ourselves for whatever next chapter he has for us. When he has a promise for us, when, he, when it's time for us to take the victory we need to sanctify ourselves. We need to have a moment of dedication saying, God, once again, before the promise even comes, before the blessing even comes, I want you to know that I am consecrated to you. I am asking you once again to cleanse me. I am asking you once again to wash me. I'm going to sanctify and I'm going to dedicate myself to you. I've heard it preached before uh, to, hand, to be able to handle the blessing, right? Because you can get a blessing you can, and then you can forget where the blessing came from. You can, the promise can finally come, the one that you've been waiting for, but if you don't sanctify yourself, if you don't dedicate yourself and consecrate yourself, say, God, no matter what, I'm sold out to you, then you can lose sight of what got you that blessing, and you can lose out. And so, and that's what I feel like as I was reading the story, I felt like our church is right here, right now, 40 days of fire. What are we doing? We're sanctifying ourselves for the year. We're getting ourselves ready. We're, we're fasting. We're, we're getting rid of, of, of worldliness. We're getting rid of, of the flesh, and we're connecting to God. As pastor said, we're not, we're not trying to buy a miracle. We're not trying to buy anything from God by fasting and by, by taking this time and setting it apart. No, we're sanctifying ourselves. We're setting ourselves apart, and we're saying, God, we want you to use us. We want to be holy, and the, we start with that sanctification. How do we do that? John chapter 17. There's many, many verses and scriptures we could go to, but I just pulled a few. If you go to John chapter 17, verse 17 through 19, it says, Sanctify them through thy truth. This is Jesus speaking. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, and they also might be sanctified through the truth. We have a cleansing word of God. 
We have the word of it, and that's why a part of this 40 days of fire is get ourselves in the, words, the word of God. Get ourselves in the Bible. Sanctify ourselves. Let the word wash over you to cleanse you, to cleanse your mind, to, to refresh you. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. It's so important that we have the word of God, that we have God's word speaking to us, speaking through us and in our heart. And one more scripture from this, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, talking about sanctification. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, not a little bit, not just enough to get by, but holy, completely renew, sanctify yourself holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a high standard. I wish I could stand here and tell you that I'm blameless. I wish I could sit here and tell you, man, there's nothing you could fault for me. I'm perfect in every way, but we all know that's not true. Amen? If, if that is you, then... By all means, come up and, and tell us the secret. Tell us what you do to be perfect. But you know what? He says we can still strive for that through him, through his blood. He can make us perfect. Not because we are perfect. We won't be until the day he comes, right? But he says he can make us. He, his blood will cover us. He can sanctify us. So before the Israelites ever, ever even got their promise, before they even prepared for their promise, he started with, Let's start with you individually. Cleanse yourself. Get yourself ready. God is coming. The promise is coming. Sanctify yourself. Amen. If we go back to uh, our story in Joshua chapter 3, we'll, we'll jump to verse 6. And we'll go through a few of these verses here. They're preparing to take their promised land. Again, they waited 40 years for this. Verse 6, And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And verse 7 says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, I, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. See, this was so important because this generation, the past generation, they had a leader. They had Moses, and they followed Moses. And now, of course, we know Moses is gone, and, and we know God has now appointed Joshua, but... Did the people trust Joshua yet? Did the people know yet that jo is he going to lead like Moses led? Is, he gonna, is God going to bless Joshua? How do we know for sure? And God took this time to make sure we understood that, you know what? He gives us leaders among us. He gives us leaders, but he's our leader. As long as he's appointing the leader, we can trust. Amen. We don't have to worry about about a lot of these things down here on this level, because if we know God has appointed the leadership, then we know God is really in charge. Amen? And so God was making that point. He said, you know what? I'm going to make sure everyone understands. I'm going to do a, I'm going to duplicate a miracle, and I'm going to make sure everyone understands that just like I was with Moses, I'm with you. They can trust you. Verse 8 says, And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand in the water. Stand still in Jordan. Verse 9, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites 
and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Somebody had some fun when they were coming up with those names. Amen? But he stood there and he said, what's going to happen is the priests are going to take the Ark of the Covenant. Again, the presence of God. They're going to lead. God's going to lead us. And we're going to go to that river, that insurmountable problem. That huge obstacle that we can't find a way around. He's going to put the Spirit of God in the water. He says, as soon as their feet starts to touch the water, the water is going to split. Just like it did in the Red Sea. Just like they had heard about this generation. They had heard from their fathers and their, and their mothers from the past. They had heard about how God had split the Red Sea. And he says, I'm going to do that for you. You're going to stand in the water and the, splees, or the sea is going to split. Verse 11, and behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Verse 12, now therefore take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe, amen. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that came down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. Again, he was showing them that he is still the God of the miraculous. Obstacles that seem impossible to us are nothing for God. Who formed that river? Who put that water there? God did. And so it was nothing for God to to just move those obstacles. And and although we read this and we've heard these stories, and and of course it's encouraging, but in real life when when we face obstacles, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to think, you know what, I, I, God promised me this. He didn't show me any of the in-between. I'm in the in-between right now, and I don't see how God could do any of it. I, I don't see how I'm ever going to get to this point. There's this big obstacle in my way. There, there's no way I could get past this obstacle. But with God, there's always a way. God, there's always a way. What do we do in the meantime? We follow the Spirit. We follow God. Wherever that ark goes, get after it. Wherever the presence of God is, get after it. That's what he was teaching them. Just follow. You don't need to know A through C. You don't, or A through Z. You don't need to know all the steps. All you need to know is there's the Spirit of God. That's where it's taking you. Follow it. And that's what they did. And, and, and that tells us, and we know, we can read throughout the New Testament. Again, I, I just went through the New Testament and pulled out a few verses. There's so many that talk about following the Spirit of God, following um, after that. Um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We have to be guided and directed by the Spirit. And when we are, He's going to give us the victory. It really is that simple. Just follow, trust God, read your, and how do we do that? We got to read the Word, right? How do we follow the Spirit? You know, I've, I've heard some people, I've heard people say, you know, you got to have spirit and truth, and that's the Word of God. You have to have it balanced. Because I've heard of people who, who get out of balance. You can be too spiritual. I know that sounds kind of weird to say, but I've heard, I, you've probably heard the phrase that you're so spiritual, you're no earthly good. And I heard that phrase, but you can kind of go off whack a little bit. So you have to make sure you have the Word of God to balance you. Amen? Because the Spirit will never go against the Word of God. The Word of God is God. It's God's Word. And the Spirit of God is God. They are one. So when you're being led by the Spirit, you've got to make sure you're reading the Word. You've got to make sure you're, 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 you're uh, getting that Word deep in your soul, deep in your heart, so that 
you stay balanced in word and spirit. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. We can use it for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then verse seventeen, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There's that word perfect again. I don't like that word. I don't like to be held against a standard perfect. But it's not my standard. I'm not being held. It's, it's the Spirit of God, right? He's perfect. So I put on the Spirit of God. When we follow after the Spirit, I don't have to worry about that. I'm just following God. I'm following the Word. And I'm following the Spirit. That's not all that God's given us. God's given us other tools to help us stay in line with the Spirit of God. He's given us spiritual leadership. Amen. He's given us uh, men and women of God, leaders that he has appointed over us for us to listen to. to and, and just like he did in this story, he appointed Joshua. He first was Moses, then it was Joshua. God uses leaders to speak to our lives, to give us accountability, to give us direction. And, and Paul uh, talks about this in Hebrews chapter 13. He, he tells us to obey them. Verse 17, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that might, must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I'm thankful that God's given us pastor. I'm thankful he's given us a man of God and sister Shosher and a woman of God with wisdom, with understanding that can lead. And I, and I am submitted to them. I know I'm talking to a whole church who's submitted to our leadership. And, and that means if you're submitted, that means you sometimes have to obey even if you don't fully agree, right? That's what submitted means. Submitted means, I, okay, pastor, whatever. Whatever you ask, that's what I'm going to do. That's what submission means. And, you know, uh, the scripture says, because, you know, one day pastor is going to take, he's going to give an account for us. I hope he doesn't go before the Lord, oh, that Nick. Ugh. Sorry about that one. I hope he doesn't do that, right? I, I hope that he can count it joy, just like the scripture says. So, we want to make sure, again, this story of Joshua it talk, it, it is a clear example of how we need to follow after God. Follow after his teaching, follow after the spirit, follow after the direction. Wherever God leads, he's going to bless, he's going to, he's going to knock down every obstacle, he's going to provide the victory. But we got to fill, stay full of the Holy Ghost. we got to stay full of that spirit. That means we got, we got to come to church. Why? Because we say so. No, it helps and encourages you. It encourages you to hear the word of God, to, to be with fellow believers, and to strengthen one, one another. You know, iron sharpeneth iron. That's why we come to church. That, we got to read our word. We already talked about that. We got to have the word of God inside of us. We got to pray. If we're going to follow the voice of God, we, we got to hear the voice of God. We got to learn what the voice of God is. Again, just to go back to our 40 days of fire, it's a, I, I love to start the year off this way because it's a time of sanctification. It's a time where we're able to uh, rededicate and say, God, again, I'm going I'm to uh, uh, fix my radio, if you will, my spiritual tuning. I'm going to fix it to you. I want to hear your voice. God, I want, I want God's blessing and I want God's victories in 2023. I know God's got a promise for us just like he had a promise for the Israelites. And I, I want what he has for us. Amen? Amen. So if we're going to get that promise, we're going to follow him. We're going to follow whatever the word, whatever the spirit leads us. And so going back to our story, 
in Joshua. We're almost done. We have just a few verses left in this story. They give the, the preparation. Joshua gives them the orders. He, he tells the priests what they're going to do. He tells the people, what are you going to do when you see the priests going? And now it's time for the execution. Now it's time to actually do the plan. So verse 14 says, And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. They got out and moved. They stepped out in faith. That's what the previous generation didn't do. They, they saw the ark go, and they said, all right, we've been told what to do. They gathered the things, they got out of their tents, and they went. we got to be willing to go in faith. we got to be willing to move, step out of our comfort zone, to go. I mean, imagine how scary of a situation this really is. You know, we, of course, know the ending, but they were conquering a city. There, there was a whole city of people ready to defend their city, against them and they were ill-equipped probably didn't have the right amount of numbers they didn't even know what the plan was but they said there's the spirit of god he's leading we're going and so they went verse 15 and as they bear the ark were coming to the jordan the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water for jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest again god always likes to just do extra right he just likes to make sure you understand just how powerful he is. I, I've heard before uh, some experts try to dispute with the Red Sea uh, that it wasn't really the Red Sea, that it was a misinterpretation, and that it was actually some other sea, Reed Sea, something. And as if that discounted the miracle. Like, oh, okay, so it wasn't a sea. It was maybe a little bit of a smaller of a river. Okay, um, I don't care if it was the Licking River I don't care if it was a creek in my backyard. If I saw water standing up and dividing just in time for me to cross to safety, I'm going to count that a miracle. Okay? And so here, here God is showing himself again. He's, he's going to do this again. And he, and he made sure it was the time of year that the river was overflowing, not just a little river. It wasn't like, oh, maybe it was low enough that they're able to pass and just get their feet wet. No, no, no. He made sure it was overflowing to the brim, going over the edges. And then he says, that's when he's going to do it. So verse 16, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zarephan. So he, he does it far away. So they don't even have to see the water. I mean, they see the water just stop and they have dry ground that they're able to walk across. Um, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. They were just able to go on dry ground. Verse 17, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. What a picture to be in the middle of a river and just be on dry ground holding the spirit of God as the Israelites just pass, 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 pass right on by them um, on dry ground. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. God finally gave them the promised land. God finally provided for them and made a way. And here, I mean, what a fulfillment. I'm sure the people, the Israelites had heard for so long that there is a place, there is a promise, there, there's a blessing that's coming, that's been promised to us. But I don't know if it's ever really going to come. We've, we've heard that for so long. We've heard that for so long. Oh, yes, yeah, I know, I know. There's a promised land coming. But now they finally get to 
to see it. They finally get the victory. And what I love about this story about how God chose to do it is I think as well that this generation was probably thinking back and all these stories, again, they, they've heard their parents. Remember, uh, their, their parents probably told them about the Red Sea. I'm sure they told them those stories, and, but it wasn't real to them, right? They, they, didn't, they weren't there. Most of them were not there. They didn't see it. Or if they were there, they were little children, and they, they hardly remembered it. So, I mean, okay, yeah, mom and dad told me the story one time that God split the Red Sea, but, but was it real? Did it really happen, or will it ever happen again? Even if it happened in the past, even if God did do all that, will, will it ever happen again? And God says, you know what? Let me just stop you right there. As you take your promise, I'm going to do this same miracle. And I'm going to show you that the same God that was able to split the Red Sea for your parents' generation, I'm the same God that's able to do it again for your generation. I, I know we can think back and we can talk about the good old days. And I remember when. And we can have stories upon stories about brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so and all these powerful moves of God. The same God that moved 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 2,000 years ago, that same God is still moving today. The same revival that took place thousands of years, 100 years, all in the past. Today, that same revival is still happening. Amen. God is able to still move. And I believe we have not seen our best days. Amen, CAC. I don't believe that we've seen our best days. I think our best days are yet to come. I believe that God's promise is still coming. Amen. He is able to do it. And we're, how are we going to get there? We're going to follow the Spirit. We're going to follow the Spirit. I don't know. I don't see how it's going to happen. It doesn't, I see too many obstacles in our way. I see too many uh, potential pitfalls. And I, I don't see how, I can't see the plan from A to Z. But you know what? I just see God. I just see God. I'm just going to follow that. There, oh, the Ark of the Covenant, the Spirit of God is moving again. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move with it. The man of God has called us to a fast. All right, I'm going to go and I'm going to fast. Whatever the Spirit of God calls me to, that's what I'm going to follow. And I'm just going to believe I'm going to trust God. I can remember having stories uh, or having conversations uh, with Sister Alicia. And for those of you who don't know uh, her story, she went through a, um, a long trial, a battle for the custody of her own children for a long time. And when she first came to us, came to our church, Sister Bree and I were able to meet with her and we had a Bible study with her. And uh, there's lots of ups and downs in that battle. And I can tell you, I can remember several times her coming and reporting things to us and telling us things. And it, it didn't look good. It looked near impossible. And I can remember saying, I have no other answers other than I'm sorry, and I just choose to trust God. I'm, I'm sorry that you're going through this. I don't know how it's going to end. doesn't look good. I'm with you. But I just, tr I just choose to trust God. And you know what? Both of her girls are back with her today. Both of her girls are in church tonight. Amen? God is able. God is able. And we just heard a testimony about Sister Lovedisa. Sister Lovedisa, we've been praying for her for so long. I mean, she's, she's come to us. God's filled her with the Holy Ghost. God's healed, healed her of cancer already. And then we get the report that, oh, no, there's another bad test. There's another bad sign. And, of course, your mind starts to race what that could mean. Our, 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 our earthly minds start to tell us what it, what it could be. But God is able. But God is able. Even when it doesn't look good, even when it doesn't look possible, God is able to give us the victory. Amen? We're going to hold on to those testimonies. We're going to hold on to those promises. I believe God's going, he's got more in store for this church. 
Amen? He's got more in store for our lives. He's got promises for us. He's got victory for us. Don't forget it. Don't forget that God's promised you the victory. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 21, and I'm coming to a close. I just have two more verses. Romans chapter 4 and verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Hang on to those promises. Write, write them down. Don't forget them. When God makes a promise to you, when he makes a promise to your family, when he makes a promise about your children, he's able to do it. He is able to do it. Don't forget it. Don't forget. Don't think that, oh, uh, too much time has passed or too much uh, things have happened now. That Yeah, that, God promised me a long time ago, but I failed. It doesn't matter. God is still able. God is still able. I'm, I'm going to hang on to his promises. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to walk in faith, and I'm going to trust that God is able to do it. 2 Peter 3, 9, my last verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. I like this verse because probably I'm not the only one, but maybe I am. Sometimes I say things that I, and I fully intend on doing, and then sometimes those things don't get done. Anybody else? Not on purpose. I don't, I don't set out that I'm going to say and do something, and then I'm purposely not going to do it. Just sometimes things come up. Sometimes I, I say, yeah, I'm going to try to do that, and uh, it turns out I don't have authority to do something. Or it turns out there's something that uh, you know, I'm not quite able to do, so I, I get delayed. Or, or maybe something else comes in, in, in my radar that I have to take care of immediately, and so I'm not able to do. You know, I, I know I told this particular person I was going to do this, but some other things came up, and I, I wasn't able to do it. That's how people are. That's how, that's how man is. That's how he says some men count slackness. Sometimes we say something, and that may or may not happen. But that's not how God is. He says, but his long-suffering, he's patient toward us. He's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anyone to die. But that all should come to repentance. I believe that promise for our church. I believe that promise for our families for our loved ones, for our neighbors, for our friends. I believe God is not slack concerning his promises. We're going to continue to trust. His promises are yes and amen. We're going to trust and we're going to follow after the Spirit. We're going to sanctify ourselves. We're going to prepare ourselves. And we're going to follow after the Spirit. And we're going to wait. And God's going to bring the victory. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, Pastor. You can come and close us out. Beautiful. Thank you, Brother Nick. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Let's thank him for his word. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I am so appreciative that the Lord is long-suffering, aren't you? Right. And he is willing to, you know, a lot of times... I've had people say, well, I felt like the Lord promised me this and he was going to, and it hadn't happened, but the Lord is long-suffering with me, and I need that. I need his mercy. I need his grace. And, uh, you know, oh, hallelujah. What a, what a great, great word. Thank you, Brother Dick, and uh, I, I appreciate the word of God.